Welcome to the Money Mindset Podcast, where you will find the inspiration and motivation you need to manage your money better so you can stress less and live the life you want. I'm Ashley with Budgets Made Easy and the Money Mindset Podcast. Today, I am so excited. We have Sarah Dunnessy, who is a licensed clinical psychologist and author of the blog Fight Addiction. She writes about her personal struggle with shopping addiction and process for recovery as she pursues financial independence. She strives to empower others to experience the freedom of financial independence through financial sobriety. So she is going to share her tips and tricks for um, helping manage and deal with shopping addiction, impulse spending, um, struggling with impulse control. And if you have ADD, ADHD, and you really struggle with managing um, that just impulsiveness, that is so easy nowadays when it comes to shopping and spending money online. It's just at a click of a button, you can spend a bunch of money and, you know, lose sight and lose track of those bigger financial goals. So she shares her experience um, and of course her educational background on tips and tricks on how to manage impulse spending. So I hope you enjoy this. This, you know, and this episode is for really everybody that struggles with impulse control and shopping, not just those of you that have like ADD, ADHD, or any other mental health issues that really cause you to lose track um, of your financial goals. So it really is for everybody, but especially if you have uh, mental health struggles that cause you to overspend and lose track, um, impulsiveness and, you know, focusing on the short term instead of the long term, all those things, a lot of those things, you know, we all struggle with. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Sarah. So thank you so much for being with us today. Hi, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for this conversation. I am too, because you know what this, we're going to talk about how, um, some mental, um, disorders or different things that go on mentally with us really affect our finances and our impulse spending. And I am learning so much about ADD and ADHD, and I know you have experience in other things as well. Um, but that's kind of, um, what I have been learning so much about because several people in my family struggle with this. And so I'm trying mm-hmm. to learn as an outsider, looking in how to help them cope with things, manage things, learn myself. So it doesn't affect my life as well, um, especially with their finances. So I'm seeing this a lot and I feel like it doesn't get discussed enough because a lot of um, things in our mind affect how we manage our finances and why you can't save and struggle with impulse spending. So I'm so excited that you are here to kind of give us some tips and advice and um, how to kind of control, manage (laughs) those types of things when you're struggling with this, because a lot of people struggle. This is so true, Ashley. And it's so important to be able to talk about it. I think there's so much effort now to really destigmatize mental health. And this allows people to ask more questions and be more thoughtful and really access resources to have a fuller and healthier life, which all of us deserve. Absolutely. And, you know, I really didn't understand uh, specifically ADD and ADHD and all the little things because that affect that and are kind of like symptoms of that because, you know, 
I grew up with my mom and I know she won't uh, mind me saying this, but you know, she, she didn't get diagnosed until her fifties. And now mm-hmm. that I am learning more about it, I'm like, Oh, that's why she does that. That's why right. she does this, you know, different right. things. Um, but you know, she's not the only one in my family that struggles with it, but just learning more about it kind of helps you understand it better and have mm-hmm. more grace, more understanding and be able to kind of help. Cause you know, it can be like, Oh, why do you do that? Like, <laughs> types of things. And so it really helps me from the outside looking in, um, understand it. So we are going to dive in and kind of give you some tips and advice. And, you know, it doesn't have to be like, if you are not struggling with this, or you don't know anybody for sure that struggles with this, you know, if you're just struggling with impulse spending, I'm sure a lot of these tips and advice will help you with that as well, because that's a major struggle for most of us with our, you know, instant gratification society. We have everything on our phones. We can check it on Amazon at any uh, time of the day. So, you know, if you're struggling with impulse spending, uh, this episode is for you as well. So can you tell us a little bit about like your background, your story, why this topic is so important to you? Yeah, absolutely. And I will add there that this episode is absolutely going to be for everybody. We all have mental health. Mm-hmm. We are all tempted by so many opportunities to shop. So yes. absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I hope everybody is going to be able to get something from this, from this episode. In terms of my background, I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. So I've been practicing. I provide psychotherapy in an outpatient group practice. I first became interested in financial independence, the buyer movement, I believe it was 2013. And I became very interested in that, all about it. And I was finding that I was really struggling in terms of my own impulsive spending. And it really didn't make any sense until one day I was reading a book that was actually about binge eating. And I was able to see a lot of correlations in the impulsivity and the difficulty with unders, um, I would say the difficulty with managing your own urges around it. And it was like a light bulb went off for me. And so I talk a lot about uh, actually shopping addiction is where a lot of the roots of what I speak about come from because that's something that I struggle with. And of course, anytime we're talking about any addiction, we're also talking about mental health. And this is where I pull in all my clinical expertise, but also understanding as a real human, Mm -hmm. a real human being, being able to apply the things that I've learned for myself and really sharing that with other people. Absolutely. And I think shopping addiction is probably way... (laughs) underestimated or, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, attention isn't brought to it because it's so, it's so easy now. Like you don't have to get in your car and drive anywhere. You can just shop online. Your credit cards are saved in your phone or your devices, and you can just check out in 30 seconds. (laughs) This is so, so incredibly true. And that's going to tie into one of the tips that I am going to offer. Perhaps I even jump in with that (laughs) right now, if you want. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. (laughs) So the idea of our behaviors and what goes into our behaviors, credit cards, uh, I probably don't even have to tell you. Anybody who's in the in the financial world understands what kind of trouble we can get into with credit cards. Mm-hmm. And so one of the top things that I recommend for most people is 
especially if you struggle with any kind of compulsive behavior, impulsive behavior, get rid of your credit cards. And, and I can hear like the people screaming in their mind. <laughs> They're like, no, I can't. They think they can't. Right, right, exactly. I can't do that. That's, that's so impractical. And there are definitely ways that you can work around that and manage it. But why I think it's so important to consider that is because we have so much evidence now. We have so many studies now that are showing the difference in our behaviors when we're using a credit card versus if we're using cash. A more recent study was published in 2021, earlier in 2021, and they looked at our impulsive behavior with spending, and they had this question in terms of using a credit card. And was that the credit card simply let off the brake for us, right? It was like, okay, we're, we're taking off the brake, you can spend. What they found, what happens in our reward networks in our brain, it was more of a put your foot on the gas. So it wasn't just we're, we're no longer restraining ourselves and letting off that break, but it's like pedal to the metal, baby. <laughs> Let me keep going, keep spending. And this was the difference between using a credit card versus using cash. So there's a whole neurological component component and difference in terms of how we are spending. And if you're already working to manage other things like impulsivity, organization, removing this can make a big difference for you. Absolutely. Now, um, if somebody is struggling with the impulsiveness, um, but maybe they haven't been diagnosed any, with anything, maybe mm -hmm. they don't have any, um, you know, mental health issues. There's just more of a addiction to their phone or, you know, shopping addiction, things like that, but not like an official diagnosis. Sure. What are some things that they could maybe look for in their own behavior to make them say, Oh, maybe I do have a problem and I need to like recognize that I need to do something about this and take some steps to improve the situation. That's such a great question, Ashley, because you don't have to have an official addiction or diagnosis to be able to step back and say, is this effective or this, is this ineffective in my life? And so determining if it's ineffective for you, you can look at multiple domains. One of that being your relationships. Does somebody in your life think that you have a problem or is there a lot of friction in some of your relationships? Are you spending and you have a spouse or a partner who's frustrated by, by your spending and you're looking back at it and you're saying, yeah, that was really impulsive and I promised that I was going to do something differently, but I keep, I keep doing that repetitive behavior. You can also look at our other areas of your life suffering outside of relationships? Are you maybe neglecting other things that you enjoy? Maybe there's other things that you would rather be putting your time, your energy, your money into, but you don't because all those resources are going through shopping, which by the way, I'm sure you know this, is never as satisfying as doing something that you actually enjoy, like a hobby or something like that. Of course, are you struggling to pay 
your bills? Are you constantly stressed about money? Which most of us are stressed anyway about money. But is this point where you're never gaining any traction in your savings? Are you worried about retirement? So these are all things that point to the ineffectiveness of what might be happening with your money. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when somebody recognizes, okay, maybe I do have a problem and they want to uh, start making the changes. Of course, we know they're not going to wake up tomorrow and be a completely different person. Nobody is, but to start making progress toward their financial goals, getting on track, kind of taking control of Mm -hmm. their behavior. What are some of the things that they can do at the beginning to kind of move in that direction? I recommend a process of journaling. I've created this structure of of journaling, which I share about on my blog, but each day it's reflecting on a few key things, a few key pieces. And much of that would be a lot of intentionality about, call it the what, the when, the where, the time, um, and the funds (laughs) of when you're spending. And really being thoughtful about what it is that you need when you're going to be shopping, where you're shopping for that, how much time you're dedicating to it. And of course, this is your expertise, the funds, the budget. And writing all of that out, genuinely taking the time to write that out and being thoughtful. The other part of it too is having a journaling practice that is reflective of you and what you need and what is more I'll say fulfilling for you. So absolutely having a gratitude practice. If you are struggling with bringing these things into your life and and kind of always focusing on what you want next, what you feel like you need when you already have five of the same, you know, white blouses or whatever it may be, I think focusing on gratitude because gratitude shifts your awareness away from what do I want? What do I pull into my life towards what do I already have in my life? So part of that journaling process is writing down three things that you're grateful for every single day and why you're grateful for that. The other piece of it is what qualities do you want to exude that day? Who do you want to be as a person? that day? Do you want to be a compassionate person, a loving person, somebody who is driven? And the other part of it is, what are you going to be doing instead of shopping? So you could say, okay, I'm not going to shop. Great, fantastic. What are you going to do instead? That's where you're valued at. Yeah, yeah. This This is huge. And so it may be, especially for me, I struggle at the end of the day. I'm exhausted. I'm sometimes looking for a pick-me-up and I just fall into rote routines that aren't always helpful for me. But if I'm thoughtful about, you know, I'm going to take my dogs for a walk or I really wanted to do an outline for this blog and being very intentional and being able to see that direction of where you're heading, what you're doing, not just what you're not doing. Um, I think I'm answering your your question now that I'm (laughs) reflecting back on it. Um, But so much of it, when you talk about spending and how you're managing your spending, I think 
10% of it is what you do in the moment when you're actually at the cash register, in the store, online. 90% of it is going to be this pre-work that you are doing for yourself, this reflection, this planning, this budgeting. Absolutely. Now, whenever somebody is struggling with the impulse spending, um, what are some ways that they can stay focused um, on their long-term goals instead of getting distracted by the shiny objects in front of them and, you know, the online shopping, um, you know, some practical tips that they can do to kind of remind themselves of their bigger goals, um, instead of the short term, like what's in front of them right now. Yes. This can be a part of your journaling process too. having a page or a place where not only do you write out what you want, try to get a visual image of what you want as well. So if it's the house, try to find a picture of the house that really idealizes and captures what it is that you want. And you can reflect on those bigger long-term goals and get a visual reminder of that. That repetition is really helpful of each day instead of being in that moment of the day, it's there's bigger plans here. Absolutely. Um, Now, do you have any tools, suggestions, advice for um, a family member, significant other that is dealing with the person that is struggling um, and maybe even they share finances. So um, I know you touched on that a little bit earlier, but do you have any um, advice for that person? That one is so hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is so hard. And I, I love two words that you said earlier, Ashley, which was grace and understanding. Yes. That's a great, and you have to have grace and understanding for yourself and keep in mind, um, and you can expand on this a little more as well, but Mm -hmm. like, you're not going to be perfect. Like you're going to fall off the wagon. You're going to, um, impulse spend from time to time, even when you're working on this and trying to get Mm -hmm. control, you're, you're not going to be perfect at it. Like nobody is, even after you do it for a while, you're still going to have slip ups and you're going to have more in the beginning whenever you are just starting out. So, you know, I think that's so important to remind people because I see it so much as like they, you know, we set, even I do this, like I set these big goals and I think I'm just going to magically wake up a different person the next day and accomplish all this stuff, but that's not how we work. Yeah. And so often, and I find this a pattern, particularly for women, and I'll note on this and I'll come back to to your question (laughs) is that perfection can be such a driver. Yes. For a lot of Yes. Yeah, especially with clothing and makeup. You know, if I have this perfect exterior and I present perfectly to the world and we're sold that, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're sold Absolutely. that all the time. Um, so just just a note there, yeah. If, if you are setting yourself up for expectations that you're going to be perfect at this, take a step back. (laughs) Um, That's not the expectation at all. In terms of a loved one, approaching with compassion, 
I think you can say a lot of things. I think you can a lot of, approach a lot of people if you are coming from a compassionate place. Also being very thoughtful in terms of actually keeping more of the conversation about what's going on for you as the family member. And how that would look is, yes, you're identifying the problem, but so much in terms of only saying what the problem is and being very specific about it. Like, hey, you, you came home and uh, I noticed that you had all these shopping bags and we went $500 over the budget on, on your card, right? So only talking about the behavior in terms of that. And then talking about the impact on you. So it's no longer about that person's behavior. So what was the emotional reaction for you? When that happened, I felt stressed out and I felt sad, right? What's the emotion there? Because I know we have these bigger goals. I know that we wanna take this vacation that we're excited about. And I'm stressed out and I'm worried that we're not going to be able to do that. And we need that vacation for our own well-being or whatever it may be. And talking about what that need is. So I, I wanna feel calmer about our finances. I want to feel like, uh, you know, I, I, I want to feel like we're making progress on this goal. And so then you ask very specifically, and this will probably be a brainstorming process between the two of you in terms of what could be done to make that happen. And that would be what you want the person to do. Again, not what you don't want them to do. So it's not stop spending all the money, yeah. <laughs> stop going over budget. It may be before you go shopping, can we sit down and overview our plans and decide what would be a good budget amount for you? or even asking what would be helpful for you to say that we can we can reach this goal together. So it is very much this process um, of how you have that conversation. And this is just skimming the surface of it, but yeah. I hope it gives an idea about how it's very much focusing on you, your needs, and then how that ties in. I love that. Yeah, that was really good. So, you know, and I would say even, you know, being tactful, you know, <laughs> with your words and, um, giving solutions to, um, the problem or what your result, what your desired result is as well. So, and, you know, we may have people listening that identify that they may have a spending problem, impulse problem, shopping addiction, whatever, um, whatever they may be struggling with right now. Um, and they may be thinking, well, I'm just, I've always been this way. I can't change. I'm never going to change. I'm always going to be this way, but, you know, based on your own story and your own experience, uh, what would you tell those people that think that they can't change? You're not your behaviors. Absolutely. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Those are your behaviors. It's not you. And back to that, you're not a bad person because of your behaviors. This is, this is coping. When we talk about spending, 
shopping addiction, impulsive spending, that's a coping behavior. You learn that somehow. And that means you can learn something different. You can learn new behaviors, but it's never you and who you are. That is so good. That is good. Yeah. And you're, you're absolutely right. And you can change behaviors no matter your age, right? Like it doesn't matter how old you are, how long you've been doing it. Um, but it's going to take time, right? Like it's not going to be overnight. I know I keep harping on that, but it's going to take time, but you can, (laughs) you can change your behaviors. I love that. Um, now do you have any last words of wisdom, anything that I forgot to ask you or didn't cover that you just want people to know? I will go over some very quick and dirty tips and strategies. You were talking about ADD, ADHD earlier. And I would say as much as you can, try to only buy in stores. Because if you get, because of, in because with online shopping, what people often find that it's really hard to make those returns. I don't know about you, but anything I order online, probably one in 10 actually clothing in particular fits or meets Mm -hmm. the standards or whatever it may be. So if you can only buy in store, if you have ADD, ADHD, that is probably going to go a long way in preventing those returns, clothing wise specifically. Also being very, very thoughtful about your timing. If you can go earlier in the day and um, already have your clothing picked out for what you're going to shop in, already having your breakfast planned, this keeps your willpower built up. So go in with your list, go in early so you already haven't made all of these decisions versus the end of the day where you've already tapped out your willpower, already made thousands of decisions throughout the day. The other thing is earlier in the day, it's less likely to be crowded. Mm. And this gives you a little bit more space. There's a little less chaos going on. Even if you're going towards the end of the day, let's say you can't go earlier where it's a little less crowded. You can even look at Google and pull up the store that you're going, planning to shop at. And it's really cool. They have, and also kind of creepy, I guess. They have trackers <laughs> now <laughs> that show the busy and the peak times at, oh, at I the didn't stores. Know that. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So then you can be really strategic. Definitely having your list of exactly what you want and why. Being as specific and detailed as possible. Like I want a pink or a white jacket for my niece's birthday, and this is the budget. Um. So I think those are just some really quick things that you you can do that might be a little bit helpful to shape up that shopping to be a much more successful experience for you. Absolutely. So what I hear you saying is to kind of go when you're going to have the least amount of like distractions, indecision, mm-hmm. fatigue, and go with a strategic plan. Exactly. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. And you can even bring somebody who's trusted with you to keep you on track. Like it's okay to borrow somebody's brain if you need to. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's great too. And then have, you know, have fun and company. So, um, (laughs) now I always ask people, uh, what their favorite nonfiction book is, you know, to help, uh, self-improvement, you know, I'm always trying to improve my life and I'm encouraging other people to do the same and books are a really great way to do that. So do you have any, uh, a favorite nonfiction book? 
I have many. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> I have many. Uh, one that comes to mind, though, is about meditation. And everybody has heard at this point how helpful meditation is. It's so helpful in terms of managing your impulses and really being able to be aware of what's happening with yourself. So many times I think because I meditate, I realize I'm getting ready to jump on something and I step back and I, I can actually see what I'm doing, pull myself back. One of my favorite books to help people learn about meditation is turning the mind into an ally. And that's by Sakyung Mipim. So I can spell that if you want me to. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I'll link to it in the show notes. So I'm sure I'll be able to find it. Perfect. Yeah, but I, I, he has a very down to earth, very accessible writing style about meditation. So I highly recommend having a meditation practice in your day. And it doesn't have to be longer than 10 minutes. Most studies show between eight to nine minutes. Yeah seven, eight, nine minutes around there is what you need to change the structure of your brain to create that awareness. So I say round up to 10 call today. Oh, that's great. You know, and you mentioned journaling earlier too, and mm -hmm. I know that I need to journal and meditate, but it's just like, it's so hard to like either make myself do it or have quiet time with three kids. And yes. do, you, yeah. <laughs> do you have any advice for somebody, you know, with all the excuses like me, you know, I've got three kids and, you know, just getting up, even if I just got up like 10, 15 minutes earlier, I just can't seem to make myself do it. <laughs> it is so simple, not easy. Right? Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> And, the, and that's the biggest, biggest hurdle of meditation is getting yourself there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, repetition and actually starting smaller. So the first thing you can do is habit stack. Taking something that you do every single day and putting it on top of that, following up that everyday habit. So it could be brushing your teeth. If you have three kids, it's probably going to be something that you do very early in the morning. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> it could be after you're brushing your teeth. It could be right when you wake up, which I know is very difficult because sometimes I just want to fall back asleep. Mm -hmm. But picking that consistent routine time stacked on top, habit stacked. The other part of it is I want you to start just by going and sitting down at wherever you're going to sit. Have a designated place. It, it could be a, a, a chair. You don't have to be sitting on the floor in a cushion, anything like that. Just going each day that you pick that time to do it and just sit down. That's it. I think I could do that. I could do that. So the 10 minutes yeah. can include the journaling and the <laughs> I just could. need like 10 total minutes. <laughs> it, you know, it could. And then maybe you're sitting down and do that for a couple of weeks and then maybe do two minutes. Of meditation, then three minutes of meditation. I actually want you to do it painfully slow. Okay. <laughs> that, I think that feels a lot more manageable than trying to say, okay, I'm going to sit down 15 minutes. This is what I'm going to do. But if I can just do like a couple minutes at a time, kind of build that up feels a lot more doable. <laughs> and you are far more likely to be successful. Absolutely. You don't have to do it every day, right? Like maybe like two days a week, then three days a week, kind of do it the same 
way kind of build if up that's, to it. If that's where you need to start, start there eventually. Yeah. But every day, you could probably get up every single day. Most days, again, we're not going for perfection that's and right. sit down on that chair and then stand yeah. back up or yeah. sit down on that cushion, stand back up. I'm glad you mentioned the perfection because that or perfectionism, because yeah, I do struggle with that a lot. And I didn't realize that that was my issue until I started like digging deeper and listening to some other podcasts and stuff. I'm like, I'm not a perfectionist. Oh yes, I am. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I am. We have such an idea in our head of what that is, but there's so many different types of perfectionism. Yeah. Cause I mean, I don't have to have like things perfect in my business. I will just like do things. But then when I started seeing it's like, Oh yeah, I have to like do all the research. And if I'm not going to be able to have 15 minutes to meditate and journal, then why even bother? So yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, I loved having you here today and talking about this. I feel like it's, it's so important and so helpful, um, even for just really everybody, like we talked about in the beginning. Um, so I appreciate your time. Thank you for being with us. And where can people find more about you? They want to follow up, learn more about journaling. Like what's your blog? Where can people connect? You can follow me. My blog is fight addiction. It's F I T E A D D I C T I O N fightaddiction.com. And I'm also on Instagram under the same same name, Fight Addiction. I have a Twitter, but I don't really use it. I'm I'm still trying to figure out the Twitterverse. Yeah. <laughs> you can definitely find me there, but I'm certainly, I think I'm more active on Instagram. Yeah, I love Instagram. Twitter, I just go and scroll comments and posts because it's such a dumpster fire. Like <laughs> Twitter is just like the black hole of the internet. (laughs) Yeah. I I just recently joined and I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. No, I do know how I feel about it. Yeah. (laughs) I do know how I feel about it. And I'm just being trepidatious in terms of how I engage or don't engage. Yeah. Instagram's my happy place. So yeah. Love Instagram. All right. Well, thank you for your time and for all the great tips and advice uh, today. Thank you so much, Ashley. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks. Thank you so much to Sarah for being with us today and sharing her very practical tips. I hope that you can take a few of these and really start to implement them in your life. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a five-star review. I would greatly appreciate it. And of course, make sure that you're following along. Hopefully, if you're watching this episode, you already are. Be sure to hit uh, follow. I believe everything's follow now, not subscribe. Either way, subscribe, follow. Make sure you're getting the weekly podcast and I will talk to you next week.